Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray the sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. Well, beloved, we are in the last portion here, the very last day of our series in Romans, Romans chapter 16. I know that sometimes when a pastor guy gets up and says, we're going to do a, you know, we're going we're to do a, a series in the book of, and you immediately go to see how many pages that's, that is, right? You're like, microwave society, we're trying to figure out how, how long do we're, are we going to endure this, but it's been an incredible series, and we take highly and, and esteem highly the words of the Apostle Paul as influenced by the Holy Spirit in this book. We have, we have made this doctrine for the church. This is, this is how we not ought to live or should live. This is how we need to live. And, and last week, Pastor Ian showed us the importance of proper community, running shoulder to shoulder with people, experiencing people, walking with people, and living life with one another through Paul's 15th chapter of the book of Romans. He also made a solid distinction of why doctrine is so important. He said this, doctrine allows us to appropriately analyze what God is doing. And this pushes us right into this day. I love the end of Paul's letters. I love the way that he breaks his letters down at the very end. Everything comes out of him. It's almost like he's on his knees pleading with people to just listen to what I'm saying. This is the right way. His heart comes out. He he reveals himself in, in in just powerful ways. You can look at all of his all of his books, every letter that he wrote, and nothing changes in this one. He gets very, very serious about everything that he talked about through through the entire 15 previous chapters. And today we see that he puts a strict warning, uh, just big red light out there saying, I want you to stop, I want you to hear me. And then he brings an incredible promise on the back end of it. And I'm excited to jump into that. Now, in this, in this chapter, just to give you some context, he starts out and he just really blesses people in Rome. He, he actually, there's 35 names brought up in this chapter. And several of them he is exhorting, he's encouraging, he is greeting along the way. And they aren't people that are just necessarily all big time church leaders. Uh, they're a lot of the people like you and me, that are in this room where we're just trying to serve the Lord and serve one another. We're, we're lay workers, if you will. And he, he exhorts them and he lifts them up. He, he shows us that, that as we serve the Lord together, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Spurgeon says it like this, don't let us think of the distinguished Christians exclusively so as to forget the rank and file of the Lord's army. Do not let the eye rest exclusively upon the front rank, but let us all, let us love all whom Christ loves. Let us value all Christ's servants. It is better to be God's dog than the devil's darling. Come on, somebody. Paul, without a doubt, giving a great example for us how to speak to one another appropriately. And I do encourage you to look through that chapter now, sandwiched right in the middle of exhortation, of greeting, is this specific warning we were talking about. And so what we're doing today is we're looking at Romans 16, 
chapter 17 through, or excuse me, uh, verses 17 through 20. And uh, I want you to hear specifically these first two, and then we get to celebrate in the last two. Verse 17, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. The last 15 chapters of doctrine is what we've learned. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Verse 19, for your obedience has come, become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what's good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So we're going to do a little Bible study this morning. We're going to uh, do a little bit of word study along the way, but I think we need God's help. So I'm going to pray. So Father, I thank you, God, for this moment. I thank you, God, that you've given us your word. I thank you for brothers in the faith like Paul who are bold enough to walk it out. Lord, help us today to hear your word. God, to meditate on your word. And God, then to do your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 17, we're going to read it again. He says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. I think it's important here to note that Paul never tells us who these people are that he's talking about. I just urge you, they're just people who are causing division and causing offense. And it's also interesting that he doesn't blame the devil like we do. He's, he, he's saying, don't avoid, he didn't say avoid the devil. He said, avoid these people. Asserting that maybe they're influenced by the devil, of course. But he's saying that, that these people we need to avoid, we need to take a look at, we need to understand that they are not serving Jesus. It, it, it could be a broad stroke of mention, like avoid these people, just a broad stroke or... Does he have somebody specific in mind? I, I'm not sure. He doesn't say here, uh, but I think that's like actually classic Paul. He doesn't reference exactly who they are and he avoids them. It's exactly what he tells us to do. And, and the chapter takes a turn here. For, it goes from blessing and greetings to the stern warning where he says, I urge you. I'm pleading with you. He asserts himself and his reputation into this note. And he's saying, listen to me. I need you to hear me right now. I urge you. I, I, I believe everything I just said. I, I, I believe everything I just said about all these people I just greeted. But listen, all of you people I just greeted and the people who serve underneath you, listen to me. I urge you to listen. It's his pastor's heart. And I have these moments over the years with young adults that I've been able to serve and walk with. And there's these moments where you just know they're headed for something. They're headed for disaster. And you're going, listen, stop. Listen to the oldest guy in the room right now. And generally that's me in those situations. And I, 
And I say, I say, just stop and listen if, I, if we can avoid this. And then sometimes they still run right into it and you know what's coming. And because, because we're called, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, even though I brought the warning, I'm still gonna be there for them when they crash. And I'll counsel them and I'll build them up and, and they'll do it again and I'll counsel them and we'll build them up and one day we'll get it. Hello, we know that we know that we have people in our lives that do that. And maybe if we were honest today, we'd say we've done that over and over again until we learn this discipline. And Paul's saying, I urge you. It's like a parent telling their kid not to play with the electrical outlet on the wall. You know what's about to happen. And you want so desperately for them to understand that. And you and you curse the day where they can take that plastic thing out that's prevented them from doing something horrible. Paul said, note those. He said, note those people. I don't just want you to know who they are that caused the vision. I want you to write it down. I want them known in your head. I want them known in your heart who they are. Because Paul knows what will happen if they don't. Paul is not telling them to to preach to them, to argue with them, to feel sorry for them, or to stand up to them. He just said, note them. And he said, avoid them. Don't keep them at arm's length. You keep them out of your distance. Why? Well, Paul spent a few chapters talking about properly walking with brothers and sisters. He talked about proper community. And he knows that, uh, that offenses and division contrary to the doctrine will split that up. And he said, you've learned this doctrine. You practice this doctrine. And you note those who come in and are anything divisive to that doctrine. Now, John Corson says that one reason he thinks that Paul said this to them was for protection. One reason is protection. Satan is clever. And many a believer who thought he was strong in theology has succumbed to those who are inspired satanically. The second reason, John says, is prioritization. He, he just plainly said that we ought to invest our energy in the fields that are ready for the harvest in the lives of those who are already open to the gospel. Low-hanging fruit. Some of us are drawn to the interaction. We're, we're drawn to the drama. And what he's saying is, no, you step away from that. And John Corson believes that we should be executing the gospel to people's hearts. John four thirty-five. do you not say there are still four months And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for the harvest. Now verse 18, he he starts to go into uh, what happens when when people uh, allow um, these doctrines, the false doctrines to start taking over them. For those who are such do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. So these are the ones that, that, that claim Jesus but don't preach his gospel or the doctrine of it. Someone once told me 
that if you want to get rich, you ought to start a religion. They told me that when I was 20 years old and I was coming up as a, as a young minister. And, and they just said, look, here, here's the facts. There's going, to be, there's going to be a draw here and there's going to be a draw here, but there's only one way. And he said, those who want to get rich, they start going this way. And he said, you, you be who God called you to be. And that's the person that, that wants to concentrate and focus on what's right in the eyes of the Lord. You want to be obedient. You want to stay, stay strict to doctrine. So Paul is really actually talking about people who, who've, who've gone this route. And they use their smooth words and their flattering speech to get there. They, they feed their own belly, he said. They, they, they have a hunger inside of them that is different than the hunger of a passionate believer. They, they have a, a hunger that they need to fill and satisfy. It, it's like a sugar craving, but it's, but it's with people and it's with power. And they use smooth words and flattering speeches to bring them in. They take scripture and they piece it together to make it sound really great, to, to make them prove a point, to get to the place that they want to get people to get to. Uh, there, there, are, there are people and, and, and church groups that, that claim the name of Jesus Christ and they distort the very deity of who he is. They are not Christian and they ought to be kept away, avoided, if you will. Yes, yes, God brings them, brings them in, uh, to, to salvation at times, to repentance at times, that happens. But the Holy Spirit draws men Holy Spirit draws women. We stay obedient and people take notice. The evangelical Protestant church of today um, has to have their heads up just a little bit in this and take a look at some of the things that have crept in. And I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the pantheism and panentheism has taken the church by storm in the last 10 years then this is uh, an idea in short of, of like a universal God. Like un the, the universe is, is great. And, and then it starts breaking down. It's like, okay, well, isn't that kind of an Eastern religion? That's not really Christianity. Not until somebody said, says God is in everything. God is in the tree. And God is in that grass out there. And God is in the ocean. And God, no, God created the ocean. God created the tree. God created the grass. He's above things. He's set apart from these things. He is, he, he is the God of creation. He's not in creation. Now, he is not in anything except a human being who invites him after he's been drawn to the Lord for salvation. Then the Holy Spirit comes in. People uh, uh, themselves aren't divine. People themselves are not a deity. The deity. The Holy Spirit comes in. Now, one step, it takes a little bit further. And what it's kind of started to come into is, well, I was teaching a class one time and I got an email after it. The class was on spiritual gifts. And I made mention that, we're, that the, the spiritual gifts are used for God's glory. They're for God's glory. They're for our good according to 1 Corinthians 12. And I said, we're not little gods. And I didn't explain that term and very well. And the, I got an email and somebody wanted to talk with me about that because it really confused them that 
were not little gods because they read John 17, 21. This is how the scripture twists. Now let's read that together. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying a prayer. This is his high priestly prayer. He is praying for the church to to be unified, to be one as Jesus and God are one and that we would be in them, that we would follow them, that we would walk close to them, that we would invite them into our lives, not that we would be God. You see where this, somebody, somebody got a hold of the scripture and twisted it up and somebody had been living out a false doctrine, building out their own rules, building out their own faith in themselves. And what happened was, is that we start to raise ourselves up and we become our own idol. And nobody needs Jesus Christ of Nazareth if they're God. And this is how this stuff works in. So I think the worst part though, however, is not just that it, these, these guys sneak in and twist up scripture and all that. The worst part, the Paul says, it deceives the hearts of the simple. And the simple in this, in this scripture does not mean stupid. It means sincere. In the Greek, it breaks down to sincere. These people were sincere and they're wanting to learn more and grow in the Lord. A sincere, I want to know more about God's ways and who he is. And somebody gets a hold of them and puts satanic lies in their head and preaches to them a false Jesus. We all know people like this and and we've maybe been this and God has delivered us. Always be grasping, but know your search has ended when you found Jesus. I want more of who you are, nothing more, nothing less. It's also important to understand that Paul's words here, uh, this is not the first time that he has preached something like this to his, to, to his beloved churches and, and, and not, in his letters, he has, he, has, he has urged people before, 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. In Acts 20, 28 through 29, Paul is with the Ephesian elders and uh, Luke is documenting this conversation. It says, therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock. He's, He's getting ready to depart from the Ephesian elders, believing that he will never see them again. And he loves these guys and they're doing a great job. And he's, he's got them gathered around. It even says that they wept together. They prayed, they wept together. And he said, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, Paul says, I know this, that after I leave, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing this flock. So in person, he's having this, this moment with them, tell them they're coming for you. Now in Second Peter, Peter brings up Paul. He says, bear in mind that our, our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letter contains some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on guard. Be on guard. 
so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless fall from your secure position. It should be mentioned that in all, almost all, there are strong wording about people coming into the church and doing this. And I believe that if it is so, such a, was such a massive deal for the apostles to bring this up at such an early time after Jesus ascends into heaven that we ought to pay attention to it because they bring it up over and over and over again. John, Jude, Peter, Paul, they all write about this stern warning. Even the Jerusalem council dealt with this. The apostles in the Jerusalem council, they dealt with this on the, the, the things that were going on in Antioch up to the north. Gentile believers were coming to know Jesus and then, and then uh, believing Jews came into the area and they told them, well, you're gonna have to get like circumcised and you gotta follow our rules of eating and all of that kind of stuff. And it, Paul went through the roof. So Paul went up to Jerusalem and met with the Jerusalem council with the other apostles and, and talked it over with them. And, the, and, and in that moment, the twisting of what was put on them in Antioch and then what also was going on in, in pagan beliefs, apostate beliefs in Antioch, the Jerusalem council, they drew up a letter to send back to Gentile believers. And, and they do mention in the letter uh, strong wording around things of sacrificing food to idols. These were the pagan worship going on in their area. They, they built safeguards. But they said, you don't have to do the circumcision. You don't have to follow the eating rules. Just don't do these things because that will infiltrate the church and that's not gonna be good for you. So from the very beginning, as our faith was being born and our, and our faith was shaped by Jesus and carried out by the apostles, they've been warning us of this. Okay, thank God. Verse 19, here we go. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. I am glad. On, come on, somebody say glad. Let's, we need to get back together here. All right. I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Paul reiterates here what he said in very first chapter, chapter one, Romans 1.8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, this is a strong moment. The church of Rome technically is not a church that Paul planted. He may have sent missionaries over time, but he didn't evangelize this area at this time himself. They had heard of him and he had heard of them. That's powerful. He's proud of this church. He is glad for this church for their obedience. Even though it wasn't his, this shows humility. He's glad for this church, excited for this church because they serve God. And I can't help but think as, as a pastor here on this staff, I know our, our senior pastor is, is away today. Pastor Ian is going to the beach with his family. He deserves it. He needs it, the whole family. And we bless them as they do that. But as just a, a pastor here, somebody who cares for this community, wants to serve this community, I, I want us to be a place, a church that people look out outside of these walls and they go, you know, that place, they believe what they say. They, they do what they say. They show up for each other. They show up for their community. People could look at us and say, that is an obedient place. Come on, somebody. That, that's, that is, that's good stuff. 
When people pull into the parking lot and they see our greeters, our, 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 our parking lot team, and they're waving at them and hopefully smiling at them and cheering them on to a parking spot. And as we, we come into the house and then there are people at the welcome tables, at the welcome center with connect cards in their hand, hopefully we're connecting people. Hopefully people are getting a donut with a smile and a cup of coffee that isn't too strong. And we could come in here, or maybe it should be stronger and we'll talk to each other more like, you know what I'm saying? We'll praise and we'll, we'll glorify God, but then we'll walk out of here on a Sunday afternoon. We'll go to all of our restaurants in this town and in this county and, and, and we'll go home and then we'll go to our places of work, but we won't just go going, man, I'm going to go back there on Sunday and it's going to be fantastic. It will be more like impact our world, impact our community, change the world that God gave us and let's do this together. We have the opportunity to be that church. We are not old enough to be set in our ways. But we're attached to something that was from the everlasting. And it's been charged to us to carry that torch, torch forward. Amen? Amen. In saying this, Paul slows it down. Be wise in what is good and, and simple concerning evil. Be wise in what is good is the best defense against dividers and deceivers. Have wisdom. James said, you can ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. Have wisdom to good. What is good? Often we say what's not good and what we're against. I want to say what we're for. This is what we're for. We are for the word of God. We believe it. We believe it is God breathed and inspired by him. We are for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit working in and through the believer. We are for evangelism. We are for serving. We are for uh, the orphan. We are for biblical marriage. We are for repentance. We are for prayer. We are for one another in this community and outside the walls. We are for the healing power of Jesus. We are for children. We are for helping the hurting and the hungry. We are for the unborn. And we are full of Jesus. And we love his simple gospel of Jesus Christ. We are for Jesus, the word from the beginning. We are for Jesus, the son of God. We are for Jesus taking on the cross. We are for his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of God. We are for his return. It is Jesus the Messiah plus nothing because that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing added, nothing in between. That's who we are. So finally, in verse 19, it says to stay simple and ignorant to evil, building a wall against. So we pay it no time. This, this word simple here just means ignorant or uninterested in it, pure, if you will. Do not immerse yourself in culture that way. Don't be baptized by it. And the promise, well, here it is. And the God of peace, verse 20, the God of peace will crush Satan. God will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Listen to me. Your obedience and in your obedience, you will see God defeat Satan under your feet forever. 
It started in the garden in Genesis 3. When God told the serpent that Jesus' heel will be bruised, crushing his head. It continued on the cross. 1 Peter 3.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body and on that tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by those stripes, whose stripes we are healed. We live it out in obedience according to this gospel that we've read for the last 16 chapters until God delivers the final blow to Satan forever and ever. And Paul says, shortly, three times in Revelation 22, Jesus tells us, I'm coming shortly. So what's your role? Be diligent in obedience and good works. Be diligent in obedience to the word of God and in good works. Be diligent in obedience to God and good works. Your salvation, if you are in Jesus, is sealed in him, which means your eternity is good, so get busy bringing people with you. Don't make Jesus just Savior because it's nice to go to heaven. Make him Lord by being obedient. And the promise is Satan will be crushed under your feet by God. I love that. God's role, to crush Satan under your feet. I think that's a pretty good one. Now check this out as we wrap up. I didn't, I didn't have them put this on the screen. It's not for dramatic fashion or anything. I just thought I'd do this this morning. Paul goes on to finish this chapter. In verse 21, he said, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Silasipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, this really stumps people. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Paul spoke the epistle. He had a guy write it down. Maybe he had bad handwriting. I'm not sure. But Tertius took care of it. Gaius, my host, and the host of this whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, he greets you. And Cordus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, people think sometimes that Paul is like a, a lone wolf. This is his life group. These are the people he's doing life with. Proper Christian community, not the idol of Christian community, not social club gospel. That's where I go and that's where I hang out and those are my people. The people that Paul ran with helped promote him, helped push him, and he did the same for them. They cried together. I'm sure they laughed together. They ate together. They rejoiced together. They joyed together. And I think that's pretty great. And I think that's a great example because this is one of the last pieces of the puzzle, I think, to the book of Romans that we need to get in us. Proper Christian community. If you don't have people in your life that are pushing you to Jesus, you have to evaluate it. Strong. Now the very end, verse 25 through 27, I love, I love his prayer, his like final benediction here. Maybe we would get on our feet for this one as we speak this out and then end this chapter, or excuse me, this, this book and we'll pray and we'll go out and make a difference in our community. 
Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forevermore. Amen, somebody. I don't want you to forget. I think he was shouting that at Tertius when Tertius was writing it down. To God alone be glory through Jesus Christ forevermore. That's our eternity. That's our Savior. That's our King of Kings. That's our Lord of Lords. Come on, somebody. Let's give Jesus a hand this morning. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, Lord, as we go today and as we celebrate fathers and as we walk out our week, Lord, we invite you into our space. Holy Spirit, would you come upon this group of people to make a difference, God? To be lifters of their own head, to see you on your throne, knowing, God, you went before them. God, that you're behind them. God, that you're to the sides of them. And God, they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. God bless these people and God bless your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great, great week.